Hey, this is Brandon J. Clack, and you're tuned into Game Changer. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Brandon J. Clack, and typically I've got podcasts and interview material for you, but I thought it was really important that I drop this particular thought on you about preference versus presence. I just had a moment in my church in All Nations Memphis where we went into that, and I want you to experience it too. We'll see you soon. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. In the season that is coming, you are going to have to know how to navigate in the presence of the Lord. Because we want everything to be so consumer-based. Can we want everything, even down to our worship experiences, to be customized to meet the need of a person? We desire customized moments that make those in the seats feel like they have found something that meets their expectation. Can I tell you that the raw, unadulterated presence of God, you can't schedule it in. Hunger invites him in. There is a thing I saw while spending time in God's presence where God's men have come under pressure from those that demand do things the way we like it. And I promised the Lord that I would be willing to make people upset and leave me before I bowed my knee to the expectations of people. His presence is the standard. Moses said that if your presence does not lead us, then we are not leaving where we are. My fear, my concern is that, Gianna, we're willing to leave where God is not going. All in the sake and in, and in, the, in the mantra of creating something for everybody. The call of God, I can prove it scripturally, the call of God does not always fit everybody. If it did, everybody would have been a part of the three. But Jesus had a unique call that separated his presence intimately from a very general body of people that could experience Jesus. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, check the temperature of your expectation. Does your expectation demand God to come into your space or can you do without him? Church has to be more than just social context. The kingdom of God is the place of the advancing presence of God where he can tabernacle with us, move us, lead us, guide us to every phase, stage 
of the plan of God for you and I. Apart from everything, tonight, if you hear nothing else, hear this. A line has been drawn in the sand. And you've got to decide, do you want your preference or his presence? I don't know if you can have both. If you're willing to abandon presence, then you must make good for yourself on your own. If you're willing to abandon preference, then you must leave space open in your heart to experience God in ways you may be uncomfortable with. But being uncomfortable with something should not remove participation, i.e. when it has to do with God. Participation in the presence of the Lord is what unlocks miracles. So miracles are the response of a person who cannot create their own solution. Which means, if you can't create your own solution, you have to abandon preference. Because in your preference, you create your own solutions. You come up with your own equations of how you want life to turn out. But what happens, Tess? When God steps in front of your equation and says, I don't want your life to go the way you planned it. That's too easy. What happens when God intentionally puts potholes in your journey? Is God trying to hurt me? No. He's trying to teach you to trust him outside of your own logic. Peter, come to me. Walk on the water. Logically thinking, men don't walk on water. Water is, doesn't have the stability to hold the weight of a man. And Jesus says, do you want my presence or your preference? Are you willing to step out on the uncomfortable and walk in a solution you can't create for yourself? Now I know the reason why you're looking at me and your watch is because I am challenging you to not be in charge of your own existence. I'm, I'm challenging you that you cannot stay where you are and be where he is at the same time. You're not omnipresent. That right is reserved for God. Hear me. If you stake claim to your past, and dance about your future at the same time, you are attempting to be God. Nobody else can occupy legally two different spaces at the same time. Not even your adversary can do that. So for you to cling to the way you've always worshiped, and the way you've always praised and the amount that you've always given and the commitment that you always have and the level of don't you talk to me like that that you always are consistent with you are an idol to yourself trying to be omnipresent 
loving your past and lying in church dancing about a future that you'll never see because you can't be in two places at once and little do you know that religion shackles you to preference I just want to hear it like this I just want to do it like this don't customize your yes the Lord began to deal with me about conditional yeses that his people have given them. And let me not beat around the bush. I'm not talking to the general body of Christ. I'm talking to you. A conditional yes. I'll say yes three Sundays out of the month. I'll say yes every other weekend. I'll say yes depending on the environment that I'm in. I'll say yes depending on who I'm going to dinner with tonight. Because there are some things my flesh just has to have. And you give God a conditional yes based on the people that are around you. That is to the liking of when you were dating one person and you love them in private, but when you go public, you refuse to hold hands. A conditional yes. I'm good enough to pay bills, but I'm not good enough to be loved at the movies. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing now. That's okay. Amen. You danced earlier. I'm good enough to pay your rent but I'm not strong enough for you to take me out in public now that stings a little because half of you might be in that relationship <laughs> but forget the sting avoid the grave because God's not going to let you treat him like that Revelation says I wish you either hot or cold but this lukewarm stuff we got to draw a line in the sand Either you are going to consistently commit to following me at all costs or one of us has to go another way. It is the premise of your eternal destination. God looks at the inconsistent and says, sorry, never knew you. Pastor Brandon, that's not in the Bible. Please read it. It is. There will be many that say to me on that great day, Jesus said, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Which means you only called on me at church. When the devils came out. When the break was on, when the worship was up, you called on me there, but when I wanted to go home with you and I asked you to introduce me to your friends and your loved ones, you acted like I wasn't good enough. Get out of here. There is an urgency in me that I cannot shake. When his presence confronts me and he comes close to me, and he whispers the intimate details of his heart for his people. I become convicted to my core. God, please don't let us miss a move trying to normalize something we've never experienced. God, please, is my prayer. Do not let us put the asterisks around a move of God because we think we've seen this before. You have never been this way before. God told Joshua, don't get it twisted. Just because you've been on a road before, you ain't been on this one before. You don't know this way. You have got to... I'm trying not to curse in church. I guess I will. You have got to submit 
the purpose of God's heart submit to that which means at some point you're gonna have to kill your preconceived notions about your ungodly timeline of what you thought you'd be by now and I know it's in the room because you base your worship and your praise off of what you think God has already done for you and when you're mad at him you hold out like an angry wife that won't give her husband none don't get upset the doors are locked got to put the chains on the doors Joe Clark style you can't give God worship at the sight of new cars only I have a sneaky suspicion that in 2020 and it's probably already happening around me I believe in 2020 that praisers that only invoke and jump and sweat and run and spin in praise based off of things that the guy says that God's going to give them I think there will be no glory on that it'll be popular and 90% of the American public won't be able to tell the difference because we don't want presence really when, when you are presence driven you don't wait for a promise to express the magnitude of what he means to you maybe the problem is you don't know him because I can pull my baby boy up here right now and he can name you 5, 10, 15 things of why he loves his father you want to know why? not because of what I give him he knows me you could call his name and he won't come if I call his name he's running up here right now he spent time with me so maybe you would respond consistently God bless your practiced dance practicing for showmanship to impress people with footwork as if God came to the private dance when you are presence driven and I'm not practice your dance I'm not knocking the practice I just want to make sure you're doing it for the right audience it, it's an audience of one thousands can be here audience of one I stood on that stage at world changers thousands in the room and they thought they really thought I was preaching to them ha! they thought the message was for them they had no clue Vincent that by minute nine I had blacked out and I was preaching to one man he is the lover of my soul the room got black and, and I saw a picture of that rugged cross and when I danced before the Lord they thought I was being churchy no I am the church she lives on the inside of me and I just gave him the sentiments of our private relationship I took us public when you are more committed to, pre to presence than your preference you don't mind shedding unnecessary fat. I'm not talking about the stuff around your gut. 
I'm talking about the relationships that are weighing you down. We are in such a social age that we are more fearful of a meme than God turning away and leaving us. He'll never leave me, no forsake me. You're right. But if he inhabits the praises of his people and we're dancing to impress each other, I don't think he came to that. Sometimes God's presence will sneak up. When's the last time that you had to leave your cubicle, take a 10 minute break because tears would not stop coming down your eyes. I was on the plane with my wife yesterday and I was looking out the window. I was listening to some, somebody was preaching. He was, I mean, he was closing, mean close too. And I was just enjoying it. And, and I could hear a little, no lie. And I, I looked over at her. I said, what, why are you crying? And she said, I sense his presence. When's the last time that his presence came so near to you? Does God even have permission to come that close to you? He's not a molester. He's not going to grope you without your permission. I, I don't even know if you've given him permission to come that close. Can, can he show you PDA in public without you being embarrassed? Do you shut him down? No, 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 not right now. Not right now. People are looking. Go, go away. Do you shoo him away? I am a man of presence. Not my own. I can sense when he wants to come into the room. I can sense when he is uninvited in a place. I can feel when the presence of God is welcomed. Or when we have welcomed our own customized meet people where they are because you got to make people happy because it's a consumer base i'm telling you now i'm always going to get on your nerves i will always put the presence of god before what you think we should do his presence is the guiding force and without his presence moses said we have no distinction no defining opportunity that shows us the difference between the heathen and the harvest I am not the heathen I am his harvest and the way the world knows it is by how open I am to his presence I had four minutes his presence is your guiding force it is your compass David finds himself in a commitment crisis. I don't need this. It's in my belly. David finds himself in a commitment crisis. God has already. Do your best to stay connected. I know I'm talking and it's stay with me. God has already prescribed how the glory of God should be carried from place to place. Ken, you'll like this. The glory of God must be put in a box. Ten Commandments, manna, Aaron's rod that budded. Representation of the glory of God. Exuding from a box. On top of the Ark of the Covenant are angels facing each other. Mercy seat. These wings cover faces. You don't know where to praise God at, 
But that mercy seat is what keeps God from seeing your sinful condition consistently. When you boldly approach the throne of grace, what you are approaching is essentially the blindness of God. Imagine a God that sees all but is willing to overlook everything you've done because of his blood. So, pause. When you know God and you're honest about your own mess, that kind of talk does more for you than F sharp and an ear grab ever will. I need his mercy. Those angels facing each other, Ken, in that box, and God says, put poles, golden rings on each corner of the box, put poles through both sides of it, put it on the shoulders of men, and transport my glory wherever we go. It must be on the shoulders of men. David finds himself in a commitment crisis. For whatever reason, he did not stay committed to the blueprint that God gave for the glory. Pastor Brandon, why are you telling us? Because I believe there is a standard of glory in this place. And I will not be doing my job if I let us limbo underneath it. I don't want to be held hostage or responsible for God smacking something dead because we mishandled his glory. Here comes your proof, theologically. All of a sudden, the oxen that is now transporting the glory is not on shoulders. Commitment crisis has taken place, AJ. David has put that Ark of the Covenant on a new cart on an oxen. Kevin, that new cart is not referring to lights. This is not a new cart. God is not intimidated or afraid of blue lights in his presence. I know you're nervous now. God is not intimidated. I'd grab that smoke machine, but I don't want to break it. It's too expensive. God is not intimidated by smoke in his presence. This, Donnie, give me some colorful lights really quick. This does not intimidate God as lights change. You need proof. Lights don't intimidate God. Here is your proof. Twelve stones on the priest Aaron. Only the, the priest can go into the Holy of Holies where the abiding presence of God is. The all-consuming fire. Logically thinking, if light fire hits the stones on his breastplate that he wears, these are actual jewels, rubies, sapphires, emeralds, diamonds. Are you seriously going to tell me that there is no light in the presence of the Lord? So lights don't scare God. Religious. That doesn't intimidate God. This is not a new cart. There's always been light in God's presence. Let there be. This doesn't intimidate God. It's always been light. You need New Testament reference now because you transitioned over into grace. Saul on the road to Damascus. What knocks him off of his sinful beast? A light. A light. And the presence of Jesus shows up in a light. Lights don't intimidate God. That's not the new cart. The new cart is disobedience. 
it is cutting ties with commitment. You were supposed to say committed to the way I said do things. Instead, you broke commitment and in your own ingenuity, you decided to transport my glory at a different pace on a stronger beast. Hear me! Do not change the direction of your obedience. You don't have a better way. So if God says for the next year you're going to be a tither, don't put that on a new cart and say, I need this because I got stuff to take care of. You have got to be more committed. Y'all mad now. You have got to be more committed to your obedience. Stop thinking about your relationship with God synonymously only with church. You have got to have a personal relationship with God where you keep up the consistency of your commitment. Look at your neighbor and say, are you committed? They're going to be real quiet. They ain't going to say nothing. Ask the other neighbor. That one's not mad. Say, are you committed? David has a commitment crisis. Watch this. Because many theologians believe that when the oxen stumbled, it wasn't because it slipped on some mud. The, the oxen had a bowel movement. Is what they believe. And in the bowel movement, it stumbled. Because you can't continue at your pace when you're about to make a mess. And anytime there is disobedience, there will be a mess. The, the priests, watch this, I don't know how you'll feel about it, because of their connectivity to the glory, not only that, but also with human anatomy, but just for our conversation's sake, we'll say connectivity to the glory. Because of their connectivity to the glory, even if they wanted to make a mess, they knew to hold it while I'm holding the glory. That'll hit you on your way home. But when you place glory on something of disobedience, it'll make a mess anytime it feels like it. But obedience to God says, although I need to make a mess, I need to do something that's messy. I need to laugh at this gossip. I need to go get in that bed. I need to go to the strip club. I need to check Facebook while I'm in God's presence. Although I want to make that mess, I'm too close to his glory. I'm going to hold this. I'm going to hold this. See, the problem is you, you won't tell the truth. As if you ain't never needed to pass some gas in public, but you held it. Some of y'all holding it right now. You ain't got to say nothing. That's a whole lot of circle B. Hello. And the person that ain't laughing, scoot one seat away. Because they're getting ready to show you something. Pass us their release. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, hold it. That's the wrong neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, hold it. That's a word for somebody. Some of y'all need to learn how to hold it. I know you need a relief. I just need one moment. Oh, my flesh screaming. Look at your neighbor and say, hold it. You can't carry God's, carry the glory. Stay committed to what he's called you to carry and hold it for a second. Hold it. I know you want to laugh at that. Hold it. I know you want to go off on somebody. Hold it. Hold it. Ain't nothing worse than letting something out that stinks in public. 
because people start looking for the smell. Who, who, who did that? And there's nothing worse knowing you're the culprit, but you can't admit it. I'm gonna get off that analogy. The, the oxen defecates and the glory shifts and Uzzah says, oh no, can't let the glory fall. He puts his hand out to hold the glory and God kills him. And I'm so glad God killed him. I'm glad God killed him. Pastor Brandon, that's me. He was trying to just help. I was just trying to just help. I'm just trying to just help. I just trying to just offer my services, just trying to just help. Hear me, you aren't strong enough to help God. Consider this, just indulge my little Bible study. You didn't go to World Changers, so I gotta tell it to you now. When God representation in the glory is about to fall, if God were to fall, he could catch himself. Jesus, he could catch himself. So here is the applicable practice in your life. If you are connected to God and things are falling apart, don't try to help God put it back together. He can catch himself. So I'm glad God killed Uzzah. Here's why I can. He needed to kill him because the truth is God in the flesh was going to fall. Jesus on the cross was going to yield up his spirit and fall into the grave. And if Uzzah would have helped the presence of God in the Old Testament, then maybe somebody would have had the right to help Jesus get up in the New Testament. So protect, to protect the plan of salvation, God said, I can't let you help me because you can't help me when Jesus comes. Hear me, God does not need your help. He needs your commitment to what he told you to do. A divine ending took place and a brand new beginning was on the horizon. Tonight, and we're going home, that's it. Tonight, I pray that you would let God kill some stuff in your life. I pray that whatever tries to stand in place in your life as God, I pray you would let him knock it smooth out of your life. Whatever you think you can't live without, I pray that you let God move it out of your place. Grab your neighbor's hand. Father, we really wanna be more committed to you than we are to the things that we think we have to have. I'm asking that your presence would be so primary in our lives that we would never cash you in for a good time. Lord, let your glory come on these people outside of church. Let your glory come on them so strong that they would never second guess the source of their strength. Lord, let the light of your glory Lead us into the most prosperous season of our lives. Let there be a divine ending.
Let there be a divine ending. Let there be a divine ending. A divine ending. A divine ending. In some things in our life. In some cycles. In some habits. In some bad conversations. In some old relationships. In some in some old debts, in some old instabilities, in some old mindsets. Many of you are so committed to your right to be right and your over explanation of why you are the way you are to death with it. May the voices in your head go silent. You stop overthinking someone's lack of response or over response. May your emotional consistency and health match the purpose on your life. You are not going to the next level emotionally imbalanced. May the equilibrium of God come on you. Where you love his yes and his no. Squeeze that hand. I just press into these hands the type of presence pursuit that creates miracles. Lord, I am asking that the spirit of the woman with the issue of blood would begin to spill over into this church. That we would begin to seek you and we would be so hungry for you that we would seek you even at the expense of our own embarrassment. It's going to hit you in a minute. I declare the kind of hunger would begin to erupt in this place that it doesn't matter how much noise or what my volume does. I just declare, Father, that something would come alive on the inside of your people that says that I am more committed to getting your attention than I am getting the attention of people that don't want to be bothered with me to begin with. Father, I thank you right now, even if we have to abandon old apartment complexes, even if we have to leave cities, even if we have to leave old ideas, even if we have to leave old family cults, even if we have to leave relationships that are killing us, even if we have to abandon old jobs, even if we have to step out on faith, Father, I just declare that the kind of hunger would come in us that would give us an embarrassing miracle. Lord, please give us the kind of desire. That's it, Adriana. I just declare, Lord, that we would begin to seek you in such a way that it doesn't matter who's looking and it doesn't matter who's watching. I want your presence more than I want my dignity. I want my destiny more than I want my dignity. Let them laugh. Let them take pictures. But I will come out of this preference prison if it's the last thing I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your glory. I don't want to be a normal believer. I don't want normal church. I want miracles and signs and wonders. I want creative things to take place. Lord, give us a eulogy for our preference. Lord, restore to us the any way you bless me. I will be satisfied. I'm not picky in your presence. Just come near. I'm not picky about your glory. 